the point is, everyone's story is different. I don't care if you're Elon Musk or the guy that started the metal business cards out. It doesn't matter. Everyone has a different story. Everyone has a different path. And that's what I'm passionate about. And I can't wait to tell my story. And I'm excited for the next two to three years, man. Hello, everyone. And welcome to the Create Your Life series, where we help you maximize your potential and results in the area of personal development, entrepreneurship, and travel. And I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown. Create your life. Create ta propre vie. Create your life. Create your Create Your Life family, thanks for tuning in to this episode. Before we get started, I wanted to share some exciting information from our sponsor. We only pick people and companies that we think are awesome to bring onto the show, so please support them. As a podcaster, I've spent hours and hours editing, doing show graphics, and much more, and I finally got fed up with losing all of my free time to post-production activities. So I decided to do something about it. And if you are a fellow busy podcaster who would like to just record and have someone else do the dirty work of graphic creation, tagging and uploading your show to your server and in-depth SEO generating show notes, go to podcastlaundry.com or call 347-871-8273 to schedule your consultation. That's podcastlaundry.com or 347-871-8273. Beautiful people, this is the Create Your Life series, and I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown, and today we have another amazing guest. I was actually introduced to our guest today 11 years ago and have had the pleasure of watching him evolve in his personal and entrepreneurial journey. He is an auto industry veteran, starting at the age of 19 as a junior service advisor for Ford and Lincoln, and has held every conceivable client-facing position that a dealership has to offer. That's pretty impressive. And after moving to New York City in 2005, we attended New New York University, also known as NYU. While working full-time on New York's 11th Avenue of auto dealers, he, along with his partner, Eric, started a full automotive maintenance management company, which saves clients time and money and provides honesty and transparency when it comes time to service their automobiles. You know, people usually get ripped off. So ladies and gentlemen, I am talking about no other than Mr. Michael Holland. Michael, please say hello to the Create Your Life series family. Hello, hello. It's an honor to be here. I'm a big fan of what you do, and I'm really looking forward to this opportunity. Oh, man. I just, 11 years. Every time I hear that, I still can't believe how long it's been. Yeah, man. It's definitely been a while. And I got to admit, man, I've loved the fact that I had the opportunity to watch you and Eric grow the way that you guys have, man, and just see the evolution, dude. It's so inspiring. You guys give me things to aspire to. Likewise. <laughs> so, Mike, I want to jump right in, dude. I know you got limited time. You were born in Southern California man. I'm from NorCal. Tell me about your experience growing up there. Oh, man, it's pretty wild. Really diverse culturally. So I was born in actually like the city in San Fernando Valley. And at a young age, my dad was in the movie business. And he shot a movie out in this area called Palmdale, Lancaster. And he just fell in love with the open spaces. So we moved to Palmdale. 
And I grew up with cows and chickens and riding motorcycles and dirt bikes and kind of just a wild open upbringing. And then I just couldn't wait to get out of there. So fast forward to New York City and the rest is kind of history. Okay, well, we're going to get to New York City because I know that's a part of your journey, man. But right now, to me, you're offering this type of value with people. I mentioned it in your intro. A lot of times people get ripped off, you know what I mean, with their cars and things like that when they go in for maintenance. So what is Amp Car? And what does it do for its customers? So Ampcar is a full service virtual automotive consultant agency. And really, we provide exclusive vehicle maintenance advice and service to clients that might have their cars in the shop, might be uncertain about a bill, like they're being told they have an oil leak, they never see any oil. They're being told they need $1,500 worth of service work, but really they just came in for an oil change. And then, you know, there's a level of uncertainty when you do bring your car in, especially if you're not ignorant, but if you don't have like the total technical knowledge of a car or a lot of times women feel like they get taken advantage of quite a bit. I get a lot of phone calls about that. And the reason why this business actually works is because I worked on the retail side of things for so long Mm -hmm. and I was responsible for a lot of his phone calls that I get as an advisor. So I know what it's like to be on both sides of the coin. I'm the dealership person calling, asking for the money. And I've also been the customer on the other end, not sure what I should do and just saying, okay, go ahead and do it. So Amcar is a way to say to the consumers, look, dealerships, you talk to these guys. Mm -hmm. These guys are in the business. They know the business. And I take the calls from the dealerships and then I dissect what they're recommending. Mm -hmm. And then I basically present it to you in a way that you clearly understand with my recommendations. So the dealership might be asking for $2,300, $2,400 worth of maintenance work. And I'll look at the bill, I'll look at your history, and I'll say, well, no, 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 no. Yes, yes, yes. What do you think? And now your bill went from $2,200 to like $600. Mm. And you still get the same amount of service. And then we can plan out the other things that you may or may not need. We've had some pretty cool um, experiences with where customers are like, they see the light. Mm -hmm. So we make a plan to do one part of the bill. And then six months later, do another part of the bill. Mm -hmm. And then six months later, we finish it out. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, been obligated at the time to just spend all the money when they didn't have to do it. So, you know, I love that you say that. And, you know, we're all about saving money and spending wisely. Can you give us some like, give us a concrete example of a client almost being taken advantage of, but they had the opportunity and the advantage of being an amp car client? Yeah, sure. So just recently... We had an F-150 in for service, a Ford Mm -hmm. F-150. And he had a complaint that at like 60 to 70 miles an hour, he would start to lose power Mm -hmm. and it would start to surge, but he didn't see a check engine light on. Mm -hmm. So he brings it to the dealership and they say, oh, well, you need a full tune-up and nothing is covered under warranty because it's wear and tear. And oh, by the way, you need, I think it was three different engine coils. So like spark plugs Mm -hmm. go inside of the engine cylinder head. And then coils sit on top of the spark plugs. So they're telling him that you have worn out spark plugs and that you needed to replace all the coils. And then on top of that, you need to flush your fuel injectors. And there was a bunch of other recommendations that they had for like flushes and just things that didn't make any sense. So I'm looking at the estimate and I'm looking at his mileage. He's only at like 40,000 miles. Mm -hmm. So I asked him, I said, at the time that you bought the car, did you have any sort of extended warranties? Did you sign anything? Mm -hmm. He's like, well, I signed some extra paperwork. I'm saying, okay. 
well, what dealership did you buy the car from? Mm. So he tells me. So I called the dealership up. Turns out he has an extended warranty mm -hmm. that any Ford dealership could have seen. Mm -hmm. So they saw it, mm -hmm. but they knew that he knew that he didn't actually have it. He, so they figured he doesn't know what he has. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. we're just going to recommend everything. Mm. Turns out they covered almost everything. His bill went from $23 to $2,400 down to $250. Wow. And he said he'll never do service again without us because they didn't actually run the part numbers. They just assumed he didn't have coverage. And mm -hmm. even if they did notice it, which I'll give them the benefit of the doubt, but maybe they just didn't do it. Mm -hmm. They should have double checked on his behalf. Right. So I held them accountable and he was upset. He wrote them a letter and he thanked us. And then a couple of weeks later, he referred a friend of his mm -hmm. that has a Corvette and mm -hmm. we did something similar for him. So wow, it's been a lot of fun. And I'm finding also people have more confidence when they have someone that knows what they're talking about in their corner. Yeah. Definitely. Nah, I'm loving what you're saying, man. And it sounds like you guys are going to have some really amazing testimonials going on. <laughs> you do so far. Well, it's been, yeah. I mean, yeah. and also the hard part about me is I just like to get the work done. Yeah. I'm not really one to sit there and talk about it and post about it. And yeah, everyone's yeah, yeah. like, what have you been up to? I'm like, I'm just been saving people money, man. I'm just grinding and we're doing my job. Yeah. Like, oh, I don't hear from you. I'm like, I know I'm just working. You know, I'm working. <laughs> it's nice to sit back and actually kind of reflect and talk about it in a way that I actually really don't do normally. Okay. So, well, yeah. man, I want to ask ask you, you're here now, but at the age of 19, you know, usually people are doing a lot of different things at the age of 19. What inspired you and how did you get into the automotive industry anyway, like period? All right. So I was selling cell phones and going to junior college at the time. Okay. And I was working for, I don't know if you remember, Singular Wireless. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. They turned into AT&T later. So a friend of mine who had graduated UTI, which is like an automotive technical institute, mm -hmm. he started working at a dealership. He's like, oh, you should go be a service advisor you talk to people so well and you can make a lot of money and i was like what's the service advisor so he's like oh go check it out so i went with him and i met his boss who was a service manager at the time his name was kevin and he was like you know sit down let's talk so after about an hour of talking with kevin he was like look normally i would never hire anyone without experience but you really carry yourself really well and a lot of your experience from selling cell phones will transfer over to this you just have to really listen and want it I said okay cool so i took the chance and looking back on it it was probably one of the greatest decisions I made and also one of the worst decisions I made in a way. <laughs> it's great because it's a blessing, right? Like it afforded me to earn a six-figure income really early in life, mm -hmm. but it's kind of like golden handcuffs. Mm -hmm. It's like basically you found a career at such a young age that you're afraid to take chances mm -hmm. because you're used to making X amount of money. Right? right. So mm -hmm. it's kind of like a hard balance that I've always struggled with. It's like, man, I, I'm making a great income for my family. At the time, it was like making all this money. I'm going to buy a BMW M3. I'm going to move to New York. I'm going to do this. I was going to, you know, I was doing all these things. I'm going to buy a house. So I did all these things at an early age. And I didn't have the opportunity to kind of grow from that or experiment from that. Mm. It's like, this is what you do now. And I call it golden handcuffs. But my mentor did tell me something in the business that I'll never forget at a young age. And he told me, if you do these things, and he had like four key things and like one kind of off thing. Mm -hmm. If you continue to do these things and you learn this business, you will always make this much money or more. Oh, nah, bro. Is it four? Is it five? And how much money did he tell you that you could make? We need these jewels. You got to share. So he said, you'll always earn over $100,000 a year in this business if you mm -hmm. can do these four things. Okay. And this is another reason why Amp Card is, I think, will be successful. What's the four things, man? Okay. Average 
four labor hours per repair order. And what that means, and again, I'm going to let you guys know, this is the belly of the beast now. I'm giving away some secrets now. Okay. But the key thing is, though, and, and it's not really secrets, it's just every business has a goal to make money. In the automotive service industry, the goal is to make money. There's no question about it. Mm -hmm. So when you work for the dealership, you have an obligation to do that. Mm -hmm. So the way you do it matters because you have to do it in an efficient way without losing the company money. So four labor hours per repair order, meaning like every car I write up, I have to sell four hours of work on. Mm -hmm. The labor hours are between, depending on your rate, 150, some dealerships go up to $350 an hour. Okay. So it's my job to find something on the car to sell to the customer for four hours. Okay. Number two, always be in constant communication with the customers. Never let them call you. Always call them first. Okay. That's huge. If you ever have your car in the dealership, it could be like three, four, five hours. You start to wonder what's going on with it. You get a little antsy and you make that phone call. And then you're like, hey, I'm just checking on my car. They never say the type of car that it is. It's an aggravated call always. And they never expect to have a response back that favors them. They're looking for bad news. They're checking on my car. I want to know what's going on. If you as a service advisor can deliver information to them first, mm -hmm. it makes a world of difference. Mm. So number one, average four hours an hour. Number two, call them first. Make it a point that they don't call you seeking for information on their car or status on their car. Mm -hmm. Number three, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Sell it early, Mr. Customer. Your brakes come new at 10 millimeters. They're now at five millimeters. You could wait till next year. Mm -hmm. However, you do it now. You'll save 10% off. You won't have to buy rotors. And I'll go ahead and throw in a complimentary detail. Okay, Mike, do it now. Oh, and by the way, I noticed that your tires had uneven wear on them. I'm recommending an alignment for you. I'll do it at 10% off for you. No big deal. We'll save those new tires that you bought last year. We'll keep them going. How do you feel about that? You know what? It's already there. Go ahead and do it. So I'm selling him work that his car needs, but just not now. It can totally wait. And the idea, though, that Mark always put in my head, his name was Mark, is that you treat each visit like it's their last. Mm. These are not good things. Like, just like, this is why Empire exists, because this creates a sense of urgency every time customers see you at the dealership. Mm -hmm. But that urgency translates to dollars, it translates to high volume tickets. And it's not just that. The fourth thing is when you sell this type of work, the back end loves you. Mm -hmm. Your team has to love you. So the way your team loves you is that you always sell the work. Right. Like, so not to get too deep into the way the industry works, but technicians rely on you to provide work for them to earn a living. Right. So if they're recommending brakes on a car and you're not selling brakes on a car, eventually they're going to get frustrated with you mm -hmm. and they won't work as hard or they'll be disgruntled. You don't have a good team environment. You want your guys behind you. So mm -hmm. if you could do those things, have your team behind you. So know that you're selling work, communicate with clients, sell work early and average four hours in RO, you're going to make over a hundred thousand dollars in this industry. Wow. And I've done that every day of my life. That's how I got to where I did in this industry. Wow. I mean, man, it sounds so good on one end and then so bad on the other end. And seeing that you are a genius and you created this service to almost stop what it is that you were doing in order to be successful in this industry. Yes. Man, I feel conflicted because I don't know which way to root for you. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm like, uh. That's what I said. It sounds like your upsell game is amazing. But at the same time, you know, if you have uneven wear and tear, you know what I mean? That could definitely be beneficial to take care of. And like you said, if you rotate the tires, then, you know, you save the tires that you purchased a year ago. So it's not all bad, you know, not all good, I would say. I would justify it all the time by saying, well, it couldn't hurt. And I'm not recommending anything's going to hurt your car. Mm -hmm. And it becomes a thing where also like, cause you're human. So mm -hmm. you see the benefits of this and this is every ticket. So now it's like the industry, if 
across America is averaging 3.1 hours per day. Michael, you're at 5.1. Mm-hmm. How are you doing that? Right. And then it becomes a thing where, well, if you can't sell the ticket, put it on Mike's desk. Mm, got you. So this helps you to become an industry leader because of essentially what you were taught. So I got to ask just out the gates because you talked about this guy, Mark. What yeah. role would you say that mentorship has played for you in your success in the automotive industry on the client facing side working at dealerships? Yeah, man. I mean, it's got me some of the most exclusive you know, dealers in the world, mm-hmm. most exclusive brands in the world, some of those exclusive clients that buy these cars. We're talking, you know, the who's who of car collectors mm-hmm. become your client base. Drop um, a couple of names for us, man. Let us know. <laughs> listen, you know, let's just say that I've worked on some of your favorite rappers, some of your favorite athletes, some of your favorite actors, your favorite politicians, believe it or not, mm-hmm. a couple of high-ranking NYPD officials. You know, it's literally the top of the top. Mm-hmm. And it's not just any one thing, though. It's not mm-hmm. because I sell the work. It's because I do all, all the things. Yeah. I'm always in communication. They like that. Like, you wake up to updates from my, when your car is under my care. You know, like it's part of what you see during your daily look on your phone, you're checking your emails, you'll see a message from me. And they like that. I'm always in communication. I always text back. I always answer my phone. Mm -hmm. I'm professional to a fault sometimes. And to be honest with you, and I can say this safely, because I am Black, I think it has had an impact on my ability to connect with certain people. I think it's disarming in a way, especially in New York, when I was in New York. You know, you would get people all the time referring me, you know, Black executives, Black exotic car owners, you know, go see Mike, go see Mike, go see Mike, go see Mike. So it's like kind of what you said. It's like, man, I'm doing these things because I know I'm getting paid to do it, right? And they know, but they don't really know, but they know. Mm -hmm. But also it's a fine line because they become friends. So I'm not looking to take advantage of them. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? I'm not looking to do that either. So more and more of me over the years, it's just since Amcart was created, I just feel passionate about that end of it Mm -hmm. over taking advantage or over working for the corporate or looking for numbers or whatever. Mm -hmm. I'm passionate about helping people to combat people like me. And it's kind of a double-edged sword. It's weird. That's all I could say. I have a conflict every day. Got you. Well, I kind of want to switch modes, man, and really get into you more so as a person, you as an entrepreneur. How has mentorship helped you in entrepreneurship? Because I remember Amcar when it was auto bully. Right. Like we talk about years back. So, you know what I mean? Like what have been some of the key things in you evolving to this state and becoming? So there's a couple of keys there. Understanding more about this industry and how much money and impact I'm having on like a corporation. And you see the numbers, you see what I'm paid versus like what I earn for them. Mm -hmm. And that eats at me too, because it's like, look, I'm happy with myself. You know, I make good money, but man, the money that you bring in and that you're responsible for, it's incredible. And then you start looking at, that's just one aspect of it. So then you start looking at how I can help people and trying to connect the two. And so I guess to answer your question, I've had mentors tell me everything from it needs to be solely subscription to, you know, it's such a great idea. It's going to really take off. It needs to be partnered with dealerships though, to you need to change the name to your point where people didn't like the fact that it had bully in it. Mm -hmm. And so you start introducing your ideas and speaking freely and comfortably and openly about what you want to do and what your vision for the company is. Mm -hmm. And you get the feedback you start putting it out there and people give you their thoughts back. And at first it was kind of hard to take, (laughs) you know, it's like, no, 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 I want to do it this way. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, well, if you do it this way, here's what's going to happen. So specifically speaking with the name and with the business model, we had to adapt it because while they like the idea of everything, 
they didn't see the function of it long term or in a larger scale. So that was hard to take. And I guess the role of kind of mentorship has been, well, the idea is solid, but the structure and the foundation needs help. And so Eric has helped in a tremendous way to help focus it and help technically speaking to get what's in here, what's in my vision Mm -hmm. to be like a tangible device on an app or a website or the way something should work, like a funnel should work. Mm -hmm. And he's really helped me with that as well. So I've had investors and venture capitalists tell me, you know, it's great. Check these boxes here, 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 and get back to me. And I've done that and I've gotten back to them. And then it's like, okay, well, that looks great, but now we need to focus on this end of it. And so I guess what I'm saying is everyone can give you their own advice and and everyone can give you what they feel is working. And it's your responsibility or my responsibility to take that advice and to kind of adapt it to me and my company in a way that makes sense and not just take it and change it to what they said. And then another person has another comment and I take it and I change what they said. I think you have to become your own filter and take what everyone's telling you Mm -hmm. and work it out for yourself and be unique about it. And I think that's the biggest challenge. But I guess what I'm trying to say is accepting criticism Mm -hmm. and learning from it and growing from it. It because it's not coming from that place. It's right. just coming from a place of like, this is my experience and this is what worked for me. Mm-hmm. Mike, you touched on a few things earlier that I thought were amazing. And I felt like actually go outside of the automotive industry and that's customer service, right? Like really treating your yeah. clients well. For those listening who are essentially in businesses, of course, I mean, every business, you know, you have clients and you're client facing. What would be three things that you live by that you say that we should be doing in order to make sure that we can offer that tip top customer service to our customers? Yeah, I think customer service is sorely lacking. And I think that when you receive excellent customer service, you remember Mm -hmm. it and then you want more of it, right? So I've always said this in any industry you're in, like Mm -hmm. I think that when you're interacting, especially customer facing, it should be an experience that they want. It should be bright. It should be engaging. It should have good energy to it. Like how many times have you walked into a place of business and hello? was back there versus hi welcome Mm -hmm. you know in retail stores when they greet you i just try to create that experience you know all the time for my customers it's like hey man welcome back so tip number one i would say is be cordial keep it light give a compliment number two do what you say you're going to do so if you say you're going to call them at 10 o'clock with an update call them at 10 o'clock with an update if you say you're going to get back to them on a topic get back to them Never let email sit more than two to three hours at a maximum, don't care how busy you are. These are all things that I would say are key. So compliments, communication, and then transparency. I love it. I got to go even deeper on you, man. As a person, you're a family man. You got two beautiful daughters, Athena and Rhea, your beautiful wife, Joanne. What are your strategies to balancing being a husband, father, uncle, son, and entrepreneur while working full time? Compartmentalization and time management. Also helps to have a wife that can handle a lot because mm. I'm gone all day, man. And I have meetings at night. So I'm just thankful to have a partner that understands my mind and understands like I need to do this. I don't know what I do without her. So she's wonderful. And my daughter's Enos five now. She yeah. has her own personality. She's helping me with stuff. You know, like she wants to learn about cars. I took her to a showroom the other day. Oh, wow. The key is for this, man. Like I'm gone before they wake up. And sometimes I'm not back before they go to bed. But I always try to make it, you know, at least an hour a day with my kids uninterrupted. And my wife later on at night. And we talked throughout the day, text and FaceTime. And then my business, I have a partner in Eric that is tremendous, man. And he's the literal operations end of everything. And he allows me to just do my job and help talk to people, be the front end, draw in the business, make up the repairers, talk to the dealerships. And so he has taken the big bulk of the back end of the business and just 
made it so that it's seamless? I guess the answer is, man, I'm able to be me because I have everything in place and there's so many people around me that have helped support my dreams and my visions and see the benefit in being a friend and being supportive and being a partner to me. So without them, it would not work. I'm not anything special. I just have special people around me. I love that, it's man. True. That was powerful. It's the truth, man. Wow. Create Your Life family. I hope that you are really enjoying this episode. I wanted to give a quick shout out to our sponsors and let you know that our sponsors are giving special offers just for you. If you are a fellow busy podcaster who just wants to record and spend the rest of your time doing what you love, like working out at the gym with family and friends or traveling, use code CYLS for a discount on services when you go to podcastlaundry.com or call 347-871-8273 to schedule your consultation. That's podcastlaundry.com or 347-871-8273. And without further ado, let's get back to the show. Mike, you said something that I thought was really interesting, man, when you said being able to take criticism. Sometimes criticism, you know, is looked at negatively and things like that. When you were going through it, as far as you rising up and going from auto bully to amp car and actually becoming and breaking out and working to do your own thing, what did you think when you first received negative feedback? Was it public? Was it private? Were you prepared for it? And how did you make it through that period of time where you're kind of receiving all this feedback that a lot of times is really unsolicited. <laughs> right. No, yeah, that's true. The feedback was private initially, like the first negative one mm-hmm. and then public. The mm-hmm. private one was interesting because it was from an, another service advisor. I was working at a Manhattan automobile company at the time with Range Rover, Volvo and Mazda, a bunch of other brands in there. Mm-hmm. And I told him about it. It's like, look, man, I'm starting this thing up and, you know, I'm really helping people. And he's just like, oh, it never worked. That's ridiculous. And what are you trying to do? And you know, why would dealerships ever work with you on it? And blah blah blah. Like that sounds stupid. And this and that. Like okay, thanks. You know, it's like well, that okay. But he worked there, so I didn't really take it for anything. Mm-hmm. The first time I publicly pitched it mm-hmm. was at a, a pitch event, mm-hmm. and people loved the idea. Right? Like I had a little PowerPoint. You know, I thought I was engaged with the audience. He raised his hand. He was like, "Why would anyone ever trust this?" And I was like, what are you he's like, I would never trust them. You know, you don't do Where are you? Who are you? Like, where is it? My car is over here. You're over here. And I took a step back and he just had nothing but negative things to say about it. He's like, it'll never work. You're too far away from the situation. It has to be local. You have to put eyes on it to trust it. And I was like, okay. So I sat down. I thought it was, so other people were like, encouraged me. All the times were like, it could really work. So, but I thought about what he said and every point he said, it, I said, okay. So he's thinking in terms of like, he's in St. Louis and I'm in New York making these calls. Mm -hmm. How can I ever know that they're telling me the truth? Mm. So then I thought about this company that I had worked with before called AutoCritic. And they are a firm of independent car inspectors nationwide. Mm. So I called them up. I said, how much is it to send one of your inspectors to any given place? He's like, well, give me a zip code. So I just named her in the zip code. He's like $73. I was like, perfect. So the point is, I took what he said to heart because he, he's thinking like, how can you get eyeballs on a car? Mm-hmm. If they're telling you it has all these problems with it, you're guessing just like they are. Mm-hmm. So now I have the ability through AmpCar to send in an independent inspector mm-hmm. to look at a car if I have real questions about it or if the dealership's being harsh about it. Mm-hmm. So I took part of his criticism and I turned it into a benefit to the company mm-hmm. that I would never have thought of before. Mm-hmm. So, and that's just one example, but that's how my mind works. And, and at first you get defensive. You want to say, but, 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 but then you listen, like he's just 
speaking his mind. This is what came to his mind when he thought about this. So I want to do a better job of easing that particular objection. Because right. it's not just him. He represents a small percentage out there that might pick that one. Mm-hmm. I love that, man. You being solution-based versus emotional, you know what I mean? In order to make sure that you can push your company forward. This job, man, the job that I've been doing for so long forces you to be that. You have to find solutions to problems. And I know it sounds like, but I firmly believe that if you're a successful service advisor, you could pretty much do any job mm-hmm. because it involves everything, multitasking, math, writing skills. You have to be a liaison between you know the shop, the customers, through vendors. You deal with multiple things at one time. You're dealing with 30 or 40 cars a day. Mm-hmm. You're making phone calls. You're replying to emails. You're following up with customers. Mm-hmm. It's service advisors are like this. It's like you're in charge of everything and nothing at the same time. It's the weirdest job ever, but it's rewarding. It's taught me a lot. I don't regret it. I've been criticized. I've been yelled at. I've been praised. I've been invited to the most exclusive places on the planet because of it. And it's taught me to be an entrepreneur, how to think like one. Because you're running your own business within a business. And that's tip number five that Mark told me. Gotcha. I kind of kept that one myself. So yeah. Mike, man, you answering these questions amazingly, dude. I guess one of my questions for you, that scenario that you just described sounded exhausting, man. How do you stay motivated? Oh man, I haven't even scratched the surface of where I want to be. And I'm not just talking financially, man. I just want to have an impact on the world. Mm. I want to change the industry. Look, I'm thankful. I'm successful in it. It's cool. Mm-hmm. Just like taxis were successful so many years until Uber came along, which every entrepreneur talks about it, but still. Right, right. I want to have that sort of impact on the automotive service industry. And on the basis of sheer accountability, look, I'm not looking to bankrupt dealerships or take money away from them. I'm just looking to hold them accountable. Mm-hmm. Because they give us a bad name, man. There's so many circumstances out there and everyone that's owned a car has felt this way before. Like, how do you know for sure? Like, how do you know? Mm -hmm. And I want to provide the service that tells people, you know, you're paying a fair, reasonable and justified wage to service your car. And, you know, you can do so confidently. And that's what we're about. We're not about trying to dealerships out of business or shine a light on dirty practices, really. I'm just saying, look, man, do what you do. But when it comes to Amcar clients, they're going to get a fair, reasonable and justified service experience. And that's it. You know, everyone else, you can hit over the head. With my clients, it's not happening. What are some things that you wish you knew before becoming an entrepreneur? Just give us like two or three. I wish I knew how hard it was to be rejected. (laughs) Mm. Yeah, you got to get used to that. It's like after a while, you build up skin to it. But it's like, you know, you come with all these ideas and you're passionate. Someone tells you they're not feeling it. In a way, you're like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And then on to the next pitch, on to the next pitch. You know, so I wish I had thicker skin initially. Someone told me, hey, look, it's going to be a lot of no's. And then secondly, everyone tries to tell you there's a school, there's a book, there's a manual. Mm -hmm. Because every entrepreneur has a different success story. Actually, I helped out. Okay, one of the clients I helped recently founded the perfect push-up. Oh, I have those, actually. (laughs) I have them, too. Everyone has them. (laughs) Yeah. That was him. And so, but before he did the perfect push-up, 30 other things he tried. And after the perfect push-up, like 30 other things he tried. So... The point is, everyone's story is mm-hmm. different. I don't care if you're Elon Musk or the guy that started the metal business cards out. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. Everyone has a different story. Everyone has a different path. And that's what I'm passionate about. And I can't wait to tell my story. And I'm excited for the next two to three years, man. Okay. Now, let me ask you this. What has been the biggest personal challenge that you've needed to overcome in order to be who you are today? This version of Mike, CEO of Ampcar. Wow. There's been a lot. Time management is the personal challenge of mine. Mm-hmm. I just don't have a lot of it. I have to make every minute count and I get burned out. Like yesterday was one of those days, man. I had a whole list of things I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. My body told me no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
so I had to listen to it. I'm not satisfied with just mediocrity, man. Like everyone talks about the sky is a limit. I think I was Swiss. He said, it's not the limit, it's the mm -hmm. view. And that's how I live my life. And that's what I'm aspiring to. And so it's worth it. Mm -hmm. Whatever it takes, it's worth it. And that's my attitude. Gotcha. And I have, like I told you before, I have the good support. My wife feels the same way I do. She has her own goals too. And we're working hard to get there. And, you know, we support each other in a way. Like, you know, my girls come first. My family comes first. Mm -hmm. God, my family, and then my businesses, and then me. But I think that keeping an order for things mm -hmm. and keeping things in perspective is important. But also just not being afraid to just go after what you want. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm doing right now. I'm not afraid anymore. I'm going after it. And so we'll see. Love it. I mean, you asked like my next two questions already man my next question was you know who's your biggest champion on your path to becoming who you are clearly that's your beautiful wife joanne she is seriously like that him and eric what i was saying but and then, you know, you said something that I thought was so dope. Like, it's a one-liner. Like, we're definitely going to have to quote you for it. Is you said, you know, I'm not that amazing, but the people around me are amazing. So that being said, man, give us a glimpse into what your peer group looks like. Like, who are some of the people? You don't have to name them by name, but just, you know, the aspects yeah. and the things that actually get somebody invited and kept within your friend circle. Man, just being about something. Like, I've realized as I got older, mm -hmm. like, the people that I associate with, especially daily or weekly or monthly, has gotten a lot smaller. Mm -hmm. and and people that used to be daily are now maybe monthly. People that were both monthly are now like every six months. People that are every six months are now, hey, you know, happy birthday type right, of situation. Right. And it's not on purpose. It's just the people that are closest to me are the people that are in the same lanes that mm -hmm. I'm in. Like, and it's not, again, I don't want to preface it by saying it's about money, but it's like there's Millionaire Fast Lane is a book that yeah. I read. And it's like there's different lanes that mm -hmm. you're in, right? So like a lot of my friends are professionals or entrepreneurs. They're always doing something positive, posting something positive, encouraging meet the text messages i'm looking at what they're doing like a friend of mine just bought a 15 unit apartment building in east los angeles that's a huge win you know i'm like that's amazing another friend of mine has a business that creates online courses and she's doing phenomenally known her forever mm -hmm. another friend of mine just started a car dealership nice there's a partner yeah like i worked with him many many years ago and he got a franchise chip for a kia dealership recently and so and not to say that it's all about money or success but i think that they're about something mm -hmm. and i think that's the key mm -hmm. anyone that's in my circle has a positive impact on my life in some way mm -hmm. or i hope i in theirs in another way gotcha. and that's the truth even my cousins so even like my family that I speak to regularly, they're about something. I think that show me your friends and I'll tell you who you are. Right. Say that. I think you are the company that you keep, mm -hmm. you know. I believe that thoroughly. I try to be inspired by my company. Like literally. If you weren't doing what you're doing now, what would you be doing? Is there a career or a hobby or something that you've always wanted to pursue? Yes. <laughs> do tell. I do tell. I would either be playing chess professionally or driving F1 cars professionally. Oh, wow. If I could. Okay. Yeah. Love it. I love chess. I, the game of chess is, I don't know. I started playing when I was like six mm -hmm. and I had never stopped. And then F1, I fell in love with F1 many years ago. And it's just the top of automotive racing. It just doesn't get any better than that. Okay. Yeah. Love it. All right. So Mike, this next aspect of the Create Your Life series is called The Dolphin Tank. These are rapid fire questions. You have to answer quickly. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, here we go. What are your goal setting methods and how do you measure and make sure that you're growing each year? I judge myself upon myself. So I look at the numbers, I look at my successes and I judge myself against my performances each month and I try to get better. Each month I try to get better. I have a short memory. I don't care what happened. I don't care the mistakes that I made. I learn from them. I try not to make the same mistake twice and I just move forward. Okay, love it. Most challenging moment that you've had and how did you overcome it? Like personal or professional? You pick. It's the most challenging moment, man. Probably... 
around the birth of my daughter, Rhea, my wife was just like really sick. We didn't know what was going to happen. She had a gestational blood disease that happened like when she got pregnant and it caused her to be bedridden. And like the week that my daughter was born, my wife was like, I just didn't know what was going to happen. So it was pretty hairy for a minute. Basically, she had gestational diabetes and I was defenseless. There's nothing I could do. I had to sit there and watch her suffer. I hated it. I'm just thankful that after my daughter was born, everything went back to normal pretty quickly within the next day or so. My wife was feeling more like herself. Most challenging moment, for sure, was that six-month period, for sure. Well, I'm happy that you and the family and your wife and your daughter, everyone is healthy now. So yeah, me too. Definitely <laughs> want to say that, man. What was holding you back from creating your best life? Golden handcuffs. Okay. Start making $150,000, $175,000 a year at 20 years old. It kind of get tied to that. It's like, man, I can't really leave this, you right. know, golden handcuffs. Got you. And how did you break free? Didn't care anymore. Mm. I, my wife told me, go after your dreams. It's, you know, I, we have you. Thank God we were able to invest in some real estate in Brooklyn. And so she said, go after your dreams. Worst case scenario, we'll be okay. And that was rewarding to hear. Love that, man. I love you guys' partnership. We might have to do an episode on y'all two alone. Just love. <laughs> What's the top tech that you're using right now to make your business run smoothly? I have to say it's Eric Condren. <laughs> a whole human. I love it. A whole human. Because yeah, I'll tell you, we had all these different software. We were using uh -huh. a company called ShopMonkey. We were using a company called All Data. We were using all these different companies to do one thing. And Eric created the mm -hmm. software to just make it mm -hmm. our own platform. Love it. I mean, it creates your life family. Eric comes on the show regularly. Yeah. You know, yeah. this guy is like, I can't even describe Eric. He means that much and he is that significant, right? And it's so funny because I met you both through Dustin, yeah. you know what I mean? And, you know, I talk to Eric like almost every day, yeah. you know what I mean? And to hear you talk about him in the same way that I talk about him and literally like, I mean, this dude, he comes on <laughs> my show sometimes and literally has more quotables than me. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> you don't call my own show and kill me on my own show. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like him, man. That really does sound like him. I mean, he's a dynamic human, man. So I'm really happy, you know what I mean, that you have him in your life. Yeah, it's our second business together. I've known him for a long time, roommates. I just just feel privileged to be a part of his life. You know, he's a creative individual. He's motivated. I can't say enough. Mm -hmm. I, I'm very thankful. Yeah. And just the all around good dude. He man. is a good dude. Mike, what's your favorite quote or model that you live by? You must become the change you wish to see in the world. Love it. And I live by that because I have to hold myself accountable. Anything to happen if I can't do it, I can't expect my daughters to live by anyone else's example. I have to be the change mm -hmm. I want them to see, or I have to be the change for myself first, and then they'll follow suit. Mm -hmm. So I try to live each day like that. I'm thankful for it. And yeah, I'm not perfect, man. I'm far from it, but I'm trying every day to get better and to learn from my mistakes, to be a better husband, to be a better father, to be a better entrepreneur, a better worker. I'm just trying to be better. Okay. Favorite or most impactful book that you've read? The Richest Man in Babylon. My mother gave me that book. <laughs> Love it. Three jewels that you would tell someone who is looking to create their best life. Break free of whatever is holding you back. Like figure it out. Hopefully it's not a person, but figure out the situation, figure out how to navigate it. Like look at your goals and not just look at them, figure out a path to them. Right. And that's what I'm doing right now. And I think that's what everyone's doing. Even Elon Musk is doing that right now. He's figuring out a path to his latest goal. That's number one. Number two, I would say educate yourself. Like there is no reason to be ignorant on any topic that you're passionate about or curious about. And don't let others tell you about it. Find out for yourself and never let anyone tell you no either. Find out for 
for yourself because there's so many people that told me that's not possible you can't do this or this will never work and it's like no it will work we'll figure out a way to make it work and number three i would say be not rigid the opposite be loose don't be afraid to pivot don't be afraid to accept mm -hmm. a criticism or to look at yourself critically that's hard to do as well look at yourself critically is difficult but it's necessary and that's what i would say what's the last song that you listen to on your playlist do you need to look at it? Uh, <laughs> no, because I'm trying to think. It was Jay-Z, Essentials, mm -hmm. and it was Lost Ones on the way Got home you. last night. I was, yeah, Lost Ones. So what's next for you and Amcar? Oh, man. So Amcar is going through a bit of a transition. We're able to now fund people's bills for up to three months. So like if you have a car in the shop nice. and I like, get your estimate down to like $1,000, I can break that up for you into three different payments now. So we're launching that aspect of it. We are recommitting. Mm -hmm to social media and post it regularly. Yeah, I was talking with Eric about that. Yes, yeah, so we're recommitting. <laughs> so, <laughs> because you know what it is? It's important because people, the first thing you do when you hear about a company is you go find their social media platform. And I have to do a better job. It's my responsibility to make sure that our platform is active and informational and it looks more like yours. So that's what I'm looking to do right now. Oh, and also customer acquisition. We're looking to grow and get some more clients. We believe that we worked out some of the backend things that we needed to for a better mm -hmm. efficient service and I'm excited to be able to provide that. So yeah, uh, marketing and customer acquisition and uh, we have some partnership meetings lined up and we'll see. So Mike, man, how can we keep in contact with you in the event that some of the listeners want to become AmpCar clients or want to find out what's the latest, greatest going on? Sure. You can find us on social media, AmpCar Inc. on uh, Instagram. You can also go to our website, ampmycar.com, A-M-P-mycar.com. Stands for Automotive Maintenance Professionals. And then secondly, you can find me as well personally. I'm at Mike, M-I-K-E, Hall, H-O-L-L-N-Y-C. That's on Instagram and Twitter. And I'm happy to respond to you. If you want to call me, you can do that as well. You can find my link at the top of the Instagram profile. Also, we're going to be doing in the next maybe two to three weeks or so, we're going to be posting some videos about some testimonials, about some experiences that recent clients have had. I'm really bad about it, but I went back and I surveyed them. So look out for that. And I think that you'll see the experiences are not just when their car's in the shop or not just when they have a high bill, but also just navigating the nuances of a warranty claim. Sometimes they might not understand what should be covered. So we have a lot of different experiences we're going to be highlighting from the recent customer interactions. So I'm excited about that as well. Awesome, man. Congratulations, Mike. You have survived the dolphin tank. It's easy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Mike, we've reached the part of the interview where it is called the turnaround. This means that you get to ask me any three questions that you want. I have to answer. I only have one request. Okay. Please be gentle. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. All right. I'm all yours, all right. man. Take it away. What country, because I know you like to travel, uh -huh. what country would you live in if America was no longer an option? Wow. Yikes. If America was no longer an option, that is tough. Yeah. So here's the thing about that, which makes it kind of tough. I'm going to go deeper than what you probably are requesting of me, is when I go places, I go as a tourist, not as a citizen. So therefore, I don't know what it is like to actually be from there and to deal with the everyday in the social norms, right? Like, so a lot of times I travel, but I'm a digital nomad. So I I get to, you know, work on my own hours and still, you know, I'm collecting money from somewhere else. But to be there and have to deal within the inner workings of a different society, I think that that makes the conversation a lot deeper. And to be honest, 
I don't know. I know what places I like to visit, but I don't know what it's like to live there. And then I would raise my family there and all of these things. So I don't know, man, the jury's out on that. You stumped me. <laughs> all right. No, no, that's cool. I mean, I appreciate the answer and it was well thought out. A lot of people would just jump to like London or something like that. But mm-hmm. you know, it's cool. I actually appreciate that. Okay. What was the last board game you played? The last board game that I played? Well, you know what? I got killed in chess because I don't know how to play. And it's actually on my list of things to learn. I started watching YouTube videos on it last week because I don't really know how to play. Yeah. Like, but it's something that I really, 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 really want to learn how to play because I'm into thinking steps ahead and things like that. So if you have some time, man, I know you're very busy, but if you got some time to teach me, I would love that. (laughs) So I'm a really bad teacher because the way I learned, I uh learned by my father just literally taking every piece I had every day. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, I mean, it sounds like I might have to learn the hard way then. That's cool. And then I guess lastly, you have, because I know a little bit about you, you're pretty amazing yourself. Thank and you. So in this 2020, in this day and age right now, people going to college, I mean, what advice would you give someone that's about to head into college right now? Like from you going to college, like famously for free and, and like, what is the one thing that you would give them advice on? If they could say, I really wish I hadn't known this before. Like, what's the one thing you wish you had known going into college mm. that you know now? Or the one bit of advice you would give somebody? I would say a couple of things. Number one, network. Because you coming out of college, that's really what you're there to do is to network. You know what I mean? Like the school works cool, but this is about your network and getting access to different opportunities that you normally wouldn't have, especially like studying abroad and things like that. But really Really building friendships that are real friendships so that when you get out, you have a network and you have friends who you can actually call and lean on and they can also do the same for you. I think one of the biggest things that I didn't understand about college was is that it was this time capsule. You know, it's five years or however long. It's this time capsule where you really get to experience so much. And so it's very important to cherish every ounce of that experience because once it's over, it's over. And I spent a lot of time just working in focus, which, you know, on the back end, it definitely paid off that I don't have any college debt and things like that. But I definitely would say that I didn't get to go as far in depth with friendships and things like that, that I really wish I had of in retrospect. And I have a lot of associates and a lot of friends from college, but there are certain aspects of relationships and experiences where like guys are talking about certain things and I was literally studying or doing other things, you know, in order to make sure that I was graduating debt free and things like that. So just make sure that your end goal is in alignment or that you're doing the things that you're going to be happy with later on. Now, I'm not saying that I'm not happy with the way that I did it because I also was in college for survival as a way to never end up back where I came from. So I did what was necessary and had that laser focus for that reason. But I think that that's important. And lastly, I would say, if you're going to get debt, are you not graduating debt-free? Make sure that you're majoring in something where you can pay that amount of debt back, because that's one of the big things that I feel like holds people, right? You're studying education where you're, let's say, highball. And I'm only talking about it in America. Let's say you made 80K a year, which I think is extremely high for a teacher, but I don't know teacher salaries. But if you have 200K in debt, you know, 100,000 in debt, 160,000 in debt, it's going to take you a long time to pay that back. And that's going to impact your lifestyle on the back end. There's so many things about it, right? Like let's say for like yourself, right? You come out 20 years old, you're making 150 and you never had student loan debt. Like think about. Yeah. But also in my case, it took me so long to go to college because I was making so much money and I was always looking at something different. My mind was focusing on being an entrepreneur. I invested in property. I did other things. And I was like, college always seemed to get in the way of what I wanted to do Mm -hmm. at the time. And in hindsight, one of the things I want to create for my daughters mm-hmm. is the ability to kind of what you said is understand that we're setting this time aside for you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I want them to go through that with not necessarily stress-free, but not having the same weight that I had mm-hmm. trying to do everything at once. Like I'm having to 
be full-time employed, having to go to school, you know, at night and, and on the weekends and when I could, and, you know, making those type of sacrifices. I want them to kind of enjoy that experience in a way that I never could. So I see your point though, and I appreciate that. That was more for me. Hey, I'm going to be honest with you, bro. I think that it really depends because a lot of stuff you can learn on YouTube. And to me, the world is going more so towards skill set. Like prime example, people, you know, they apply to work for me all the time. I don't care how many degrees you have. Can yeah. you get the job done? Can you get the job done on time? And do you have the skill set? And how well can you communicate? That's what I care about. I don't care how many degrees you have. That does nothing for me, but makes me think that I have to pay you more. <laughs> you know what I mean? So which can be good, which can be bad. But I'll yeah. be honest with you. You know, one of my other things is, is that I don't care what color you are. I don't care what gender you are. I don't care how tall you are. Everybody gets paid according to skill set. Right. So, you know, can you do it? You know what I mean? And right. so sure. I hire and pay fairly, you know, no matter who you are. So I don't care. Your degrees right. don't help me. Now, if you can write a little bit better, that can help you in certain aspects. You know, if you have to do copy and stuff like that for us. But sure. for the most part, man, skill set. So I think and by the time your daughters are of age, man, I'm really curious to see what higher education looks like when you can access it right now. Like your daughters can learn how to code and be like professional coders and, you know, computer program gamers. I mean, like program games by the time they're 10. And so you want to sit here and you want to tell me that, you know, she needs to go somewhere in order to get a stamp of approval? Why? We have a very similar outlook mm-hmm. in that. Yeah. I agree with you. So yeah, you're right. We'll see also. I mean, like the future is going to look interesting in terms of education, transportation, the yeah. laws that California just passed, like we're saying, you know, 2035, all cars have to be electric. Yeah. That's wild. So we're, we're going to see, I think, the next 10 or 15 years will be real interesting. Yeah. yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I hope you have me back on. Oh, no, nah, we definitely will. But I think what'll be even more interesting is <laughs> like parents like you and Joanne who are innovative and forward thinking to see how your children are the ones shaping what's happening in those 10 to 15 years, right? Even as young as they'll be, like in 10 years, Athena will be 15. Right. Then she'll be 20. But she will have made a huge footprint, both digitally, you know what I mean? And in other aspects of her life to move and essentially push the culture of whatever American living is, right? which will then impact global living. So that will definitely become interesting. So yeah, we'll probably end up having to have you and the whole family. Well, well, that would be an honor. <laughs> In order to discuss it, man. Well, Mike, man, I want to say thank you so much, man, for being a guest on the show here today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the time. Really do. Uh, most definitely. So, Create Your Life family, thank you so much for listening to this episode. And if you like what you heard, please give us a five star review and subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcast and share it with everyone that you know. Please email all questions, suggestions, and compliments to info at cylseries.com. The Create Your Life series is executive produced by myself, Kevin Y. Brown, and produced by the Podcast Laundry Production Company. So, until next time, create your life and feed your ambition. This episode was brought to you by PodcastLaundry.com. I love Podcast Laundry. It provides a real solution to free up my time. And time is the only resource that we cannot get back. Podcast Laundry was created with love to help other fellow busy podcasters free up time so that they could do more of what they love, whether that's traveling, time with friends and family, or working on other ventures. If you want to free up your time, then have Podcast Laundry do the dirty work of note-taking, graphic creation, editing, show tagging, and uploading for you. Go to PodcastLaundry.com or call 347 to schedule your consultation and remember to use code CYLS that's podcastlaundry.com or call 347-871-8273